How's it going, guys? And welcome back to She Talks Sports. My name is Emma and I'm your host. And believe it or not, but we're already on to the third episode of the show, which is kind of crazy. We are just flying through it. And I just want to say thank you again for all of the support. I really appreciate it. And I've had a lot of people actually reaching out about future ideas for episodes. And that's been really awesome to hear those. And I love you guys sending me that. And I'm really excited. So keep that up. I love that. And make sure you follow the show at She Talks Sports Podcast on Instagram. And subscribe to the YouTube channel as well as follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And I'd really appreciate it. So thank you again. Um, we actually are going to jump right into today's episode because we have a lot to cover, a lot of information we're going to go through, a little bit of a history lesson because we're going to be talking about one of the best and the hardest parts about being a sports fan because today we're talking about sports rivalries. Now, some of them are more modern and have just been kind of formed in the past few years because of either two teams doing well or something, but some of these go back hundreds and hundreds of years in time, which is kind of amazing to think that there are all these little things that have contributed to such a, a team rivalry, which is awesome. So we're going to go through those. And I actually was thinking about doing an entire episode on just athlete, like one-on-one athlete rivalries, like Manning, Brady, or Federer and Nadal. So if you would like to see that, be sure to let me know. But today we are talking about team rivalries. So we're going to start. I chose my favorite ones for... Um, the five big sports. There were a lot of honorable mentions for sure, so it's definitely hard choosing them, but uh, I just chose these few just because of the history and just because they make it so fun to watch. So we're going to start with soccer and the rivalry that is arguably the reason why I started watching uh, soccer in the first place before I declared my allegiance to, to Liverpool Football Club. But like I said in the first episode, my mom is from the northeast of England, so my entire side of her family are Sunderland supporters. Um, and this was one of the matches they always told me to watch just because it was so, it was so big with it being a rivalry. And because of this, it was probably one of the few reasons it was actually televised um, at the time when I was watching soccer, cause there weren't many that were. So it was, like I said, one of the first matches I ever watched on TV and it's definitely an exciting one. So today at, we are going to be breaking down the Newcastle Sunderland or the Northeast Tyneware Derby. Um, this is a crazy one for sure. And one of the most well-known rivalries in the sport, you know, the cities are just 12 miles apart from each other. And it's known as one of the dirtiest derbies in football for sure. And, and it definitely lives up to that title and is the highest yellows per game ratio with an average of 5.2 per match, which is absolutely insane. Just going to show, you know, how high the tensions are when these two teams meet. And so over history, the teams have only met 156 times, um, with 142 of those being regular in-season league meetings. Um, but the first match actually goes all the way back to 1883, which is when the two teams first played each other. But unlike some of these newer rivalries, this one actually, you know, dates really far back, and it goes back to you know people fighting for for a living and feeding their families, and it's you know, overall just about benefiting a city. And it goes all the way back to the 1600s, which is absolutely insane. You know, King Charles I awarded Newcastle's merchants with the East of England coal trade rights, which hurt their rivals, Sunderland, obviously. And this decision actually caused a lot of people to die. So that was really bad. Um, and a little bit after that, the Civil War broke out in 1642, and the two chose opposing sides, understandably so. And Newcastle remained loyal to the crown. And um, because of this trade inequality, Sunderland decided that they were going to join the Parliamentary Rebellion. Um, and, you know, this, 
became kind of a battle between Sunderland's more socialist republicanism and Newcastle's more kind of loyalist self-interest. So uh, it eventually led to the Battle of Bolden Hill, where Newcastle's loyalist army fell to Sunderland's more anti-monarchist army. And Newcastle ended up being colonized by the Scottish, who had aligned themselves with Sunderland for this battle. And like I said, that was a little bit of a history lesson behind it. But, you know, the two have been playing for years since then. And we're a little bit of a dry spell right now because the two haven't met since March of 2016. So it's been three years since the teams have actually met um, in more recent times. And that match ended in a 1-1 draw with goals from Jermaine Defoe and Alexander Mitrovic. And, you know, it's just watching this match in particular, it's arguably the most important match throughout the entire season for these teams, but you can just feel the tension. You can feel the hatred through the TV, which is what makes a rivalry so exciting for me. Um, you literally can just like, it's, it seems so petty to certain people, but like you, you truly have so, have so much hatred for your rivalries. You know, some of these Newcastle supporters refuse to even buy bacon because it looks like it has red and white stripes, which resemble the Sunderland kit, which is so petty in my opinion, but that's just how the hatred is in these two cities. And, you know, it's, like I said, it's a filthy, filthy rivalry and it's filled with violence. And back in 2000, there was arguably one of the uh, most brutal violent acts in the sport and in the country. And it wasn't even a match day, which is absolutely insane. It wasn't a match day and one of the worst, most violent events took place in the sport. And, you know, a bunch of Sunderland supporters had taken a ferry to the rival city and uh, awaiting them at the dock where a bunch of uh, Newcastle supporters and it was basically like two armies going at each other and it resulted in dozens of arrests and one man was even left with permanent brain damage which is crazy you know it's just an all-out brawl going down and it's just there's just no doubt about it it is one of the best rivalries in the sport it's one of the biggest rivalries in the sport and like I said you can just feel the tension through your tv you can feel you know the hatred the passion and you know, some of these fans put their club on the same tier as their children. That's how important their club is to them. And it's, it's you know, it's their life. It's their way of life. And that, to me, makes it such a great rivalry and so exciting to watch. And like I said, the, the passion and the hatred is almost tangible. And it's just, it's so entertaining to watch. And it's such a, a filthy rivalry. It's just, it's truly mind-blowing how how much emotion is in this match. And it's... There's truly nothing like it in the sport. There's nothing like it. It's, ugh, oh God. I highly recommend if you have like a few minutes and you're bored to just jump on YouTube or something and watch some of these fans talk about the opposing club or talk about this rivalry. It's, first of all, the accents are amazing. It's some of them you don't even understand, which makes it that much better. But hearing how much they hate this club or how much they like would die for their club is it's mind blowing. You know, so many people have tattoos of the club on them and it's just, you just want to become part that much closer to the club. And it's just, it's crazy. It's a crazy one for sure. And it's like I said, extremely brutal. So if you ever want to watch something in your spare time, be sure to check it out. It's really, really a good one for sure. And like I said, one of arguably the reasons why I started watching the sport. So for sure, like I said, personal ties, it's brutal. It's got a lot of history and it's a fun one for sure. And that was my number one for the sport. However, we do have some honorable, honorable mentions, uh, including the Old Firm Derby, the River Boca rivalry, Barca Real, and of course, Liverpool United. So those are my honorable mentions for, for rivalries in the sport. But for sure, it's got to be the Northeast Derby. That, 
That shit's wild for sure. It's absolutely wild. You have to watch it. But that's our soccer one. And we're going to move on to a little bit of a different one. We're going to be talking about hockey. Uh, And this one, another Tale of Two Cities. These are Tale of Two Canadian Cities. Uh, We're going to be talking about Montreal versus Toronto or the Canadians versus the Maple Leafs. Again, two Canadian cities. And this rivalry goes back again in history, but because of the hatred between the two cities, you know, it's even played into a new rivalry, which is, uh, I guess, arguably in 2008 when the Montreal Impact and Toronto FC kind of were formed in the MLS. So now that's a new rivalry, but again, it's those two cities, the two cities going back and forth. But this one, like I said, has some history to it as well. Um, it was an era in hockey right at the beginning where these two were really competitive. It was from 1923 to 1969. Um, during this time, the two met in playoffs 12 times and faced off in five Stanley Cup finals. So definitely very competitive, two very amazing teams at this time. But going back even further, right? so we're doing another history jump. We're going back. The tension arguably started back in the mid-1700s. So much like the Northeast Derby, we're going way back for this one. Um, this happened when the British conquered Quebec at the Plains of Abraham. Uh, this kind of start, sparked a rivalry between more English and French-speaking Canadians, which is actually kind of interesting. Um, at the time, the English were predominantly kind of British Protestants who possessed kind of more conservative and imperialist loyalties, while the French Canadians were typically more liberal Roman Catholics and more continental in economic thought, I guess you could say. Um, so, like I said, that kind of just had set the two uh, groups apart just because they were very different in how they thought about things and about life. Um, but when the NHL was created in 1917, you know, these this rivalry just started to play out and it just had a, it had a platform for it to play out on. And the Maple Leafs fan base ended up being mainly of English-speaking Canadians of British descent, while the Montreal Canadiens fan base ended up being more French-speaking fans that were mainly concentrated in the province of Quebec. So that is where the history kind of played into it. So when the hockey started um, picking up around the, I'd say like the the mid-1900s, the teams were both really good. So the Leafs and the Habs actually would win the Stanley Cup each year in the 1960s for the entire decade, um, except for 1961 and 1970. So they were going back and forth with the Stanley Cup, which just, again, of course, makes it more competitive. It kind of reminds me of like Liverpool and City going back and forth together now um, in soccer. But yeah, they're going back and forth. And even in 1967, the two met in the Stanley Cup final uh, during the centennial year of the Canadian Confederation. So this was a big year for the country itself. Um, and the, Can- the Montreal Canadiens were, I have to be very specific, I guess, about that, because when I say Canadians, they're both Canadians. But anyway, the Montreal Canadiens, like the team, uh, they were expected to absolutely like thrash the leaves, but Toronto upset the Habs and they ended up winning the championship. So that kind of just like left a bitter taste in the, in the mouth of the Montreal Canadiens and their fans. So, um, but this rivalry kind of was put to rest for a little bit. It kind of cooled down around the, uh, later in the ninth. Uh, the 1900s when the two were in separate conferences. So it kind of just gave them some breathing time and gave them some time to be apart. But uh, in 1998, the year I was born, uh, the Leafs moved into the Eastern Conference along with the Canadians, of course, the Sens, Sabres, and Bruins. And that just led for an opportunity to rekindle the rivalry. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the two have been going back and forth ever since then. And uh, the two actually met in the 2018 playoffs where the Habs swept the Leafs, but 
like I said, this this is another one where it goes back in time with history, and this is another fun one just because it's again tale of two cities, and um, it's definitely interesting. I did doing research upon this. I didn't really know that it was uh, because of like the the English and the French speaking Canadians, which is actually really interesting to learn. So. Um, but yeah, again, a big rivalry in hockey right now, but two honorable mentions include the Red Wings and Blackhawks rivalry, another fun one, and the Oilers and Flames, but I just had to go, the two Canadians was just too exciting, especially now with um, the impact in Toronto FC kind of having their rivalry and seeing that spill over into another sport is always really cool, so yeah, that would be my hockey one. It was, yeah, definitely, definitely another fun one to watch for sure. Like, like I said in the the Northeast Derby, you can almost just feel, it's almost like a, it feels like a completely different game when you're playing your rival. It's, it almost feels like it's a championship game and you have to treat it that way. I feel like everyone's mentality is just, it's just so much more chippy and everyone just kind of is just like, has like, like I said, a chip on their shoulder and it's, it's just makes it way more interesting to watch. So that is my hockey one. Let me know if you agree or uh, disagree. The close second for me was Red Wings, Blackhawks. That was another good one, but I had to go with the two Canadians for that. And this brings us to football. So football, there were a lot to choose from for sure. You know, do I go NFL? Do I go collegiate? And it led me to decide the most exciting rivalry for me. For me personally was Bama and Auburn, also known as the Iron Bull. I know a lot of people are going to think, why didn't you do NFL? But you know what? I have some honorable mentions from there. But this one is just collegiate rivalries. There's something else about them. It's you know, collegiate fans are crazy. Like this, just not even just the students, but alumni, like you get so into it. And, you know, I have some friends who go to Bama and they say like, literally like that rivalry day, like the Iron Bowl, like there is nothing like it. That is the best game of the season. Like that is what you wait for. And I, you know, even like you just get so much pride about your, about your school. And even for me, just going to like hockey games or something, it's just like, there's something about it. You're just like, it's your school. You become so like defensive of it. And I can only imagine what it's like in such a historic rivalry, like the Iron Bowl. So like I said, there's no other game uh, that comes close to it for me, in my opinion, for, for collegiate football. You know, the two teams are in the same state, you know, these rivals are forced to work together, even live together. You know, they see each other every day. So that is kind of unlike most rivals where you would be really far apart, but these people come in contact with each other all the time, which makes the rivalry just get bigger and bigger each year, which makes it more exciting for us as viewers. So, but we're going to jump into the history a little bit before we get into the more modern stuff. But the rivalry arguably started back in the mid 1800s with the moral land grants act of 1862. So we're getting real into history um, this was Alabama state legislator, leg, legislator, wow, Alabama state legislator regarding the, regarding the location of the new land grants college. Um, so this was basically where they're going to put the new college that the state wanted to create. Um, and the debate over the location actually lasted four years, so they couldn't really decide um, and eventually the city of Auburn won the location of the new university in 1872. So that was kind of more of a, a political way for the rivalry to begin. But because of this, it really wasn't long before the competition between two universities started. And by 1877, Auburn was requesting that the board drop their tuition and lower other expenses because they claimed that Bama had done that 
as well as lower their graduation standards. But it's got it's kind of funny to me. It's just like it's just little things like that that just like it adds just little details into the rivalry. Just make it so much more. It's just so interesting to read about. Um, but they actually didn't play their first football game until 1893, uh, which they played in Lakeview Park in Birmingham, which is the home of the state's iron and steel production, hence the name, the Iron Bull. So Auburn won this first game, um, and after controversy in 1907 regarding funding, the two met again, and Auburn head coach Mike Donahue had threatened to cancel the series if Bama head coach, who at the time was Doc Pollard, continued to play elaborate formations and shifts. Now this, to me, is... It's so funny because he's basically saying like that he's going to quit the series because coach Pollard is just playing better than him. Like it's just, it's so funny to me that that's his reasoning why he wants to cancel the series. But eventually the series ended up becoming suspended because of this. And because, so the series got suspended and people thought that it was because of like violence um, on the field and amongst fans. It wasn't, it actually came down to the schools were unable to, agree upon how much per diem to allow players for the trip to Birmingham and how many players to bring and um, where to find officials, stuff like that. So it really didn't come down to the violence. But I just think it's funny that, like, it's just the whole Donahue thing was just such a funny comment to me. Like, he's just getting mad because Doc was actually playing, like, a complex game. I, I just think it's funny. So, yeah. Anyway, that's the history of the rivalry. And just for football fans and sport fans in general, you know, the rivalry is... It's just one of the best, you know, similar to the Northeast. You can just feel the tension between the teams, between the fans. And, you know, even though Bama leads the series, I think it's like 46 to 36 to one, something like that. You know, the hatred's still the same. Like you're still playing like it's like every day is like a championship when you play this team. And it's just a fun one for fans and for students, for sure. And, you know, it, this rivalry extends over to basketball, too, which, you know, makes it easily the South's biggest rivalry. It's just a lot of fun to watch for sure. And this is, like I said, the students get so behind it and it makes it so exciting for everyone and the alumni get behind it. And it's just, it's a fun one and there's definitely a lot of tension. But some honorable mentions when it comes to football. We have some NFL ones as well as some more collegiate ones. We have Steelers, Ravens, another great one. Ohio State, Michigan, again, another collegiate one. Packers, Bears, and Army, Navy. So yeah, those are my honorable mentions for football rivalries, but the Bama-Auburn one, like, everyone likes it when you can basically just feel the tension that's going on. And like I said, everyone's got a chip on their shoulder, and it just makes it that much more exciting. So that's my football one. And we're moving on to one of my favorite rivalries. This is one that has basically been kind of ingrained in me as a Boston sports fan. We are on to baseball, and we are talking about none other than the Red Sox and the Yankees. <sighs> A historic one for sure. So in the early days of the MLB, the Sox were the most successful team. You know, they won their first World Series in 1904, and they won four more world titles from then until 1918, which is crazy. Um, however, that ended in 1919 when Babe Ruth was traded from Boston to New York, which started the curse of the Bambino. And that was where the Sox failed to win the series up until 2004 which is crazy. It was, it was a terrible time in history for the Sox. I don't want to talk about it. But this, you know, made some, some room for the Yankees dynasty to begin, and they won 26 titles from 1920 to 2003, which is when the curse ended, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But like the 
northeast kind of derby there is no shortage of violence in this one um there have been numerous brawls occurring whether it be between players between fans and i think it was like ni- early 1970s maybe like 1973-ish a fan threw a dart a dart <laughs> into the arm of the yankees first baseman chris shambliss and it just <laughs> it's so funny to me like they they don't even care. They don't. They they just really don't care. Boston fans are crazy. I know we have a crazy reputation, but it's just like that's so funny to me. He literally just decided I'm just gonna throw a dart at his arm. Like it's just it's crazy stuff like that that goes back and forth. And you know, there's always gonna be, of course, a rivalry between Boston and New York. And you know, no matter the sport, whether it be baseball or or even soccer now, you know, there's there's always gonna be that tension between the two big cities and. Uh, there's always going to be hatred. There's always going to be taunting. There's always going to be everything in between. But that's, you know, that's what makes it so great. And as a Boston fan, this one, like I said, near and dear to my heart. Like the other day, I was working the basketball game here at school, and I saw a grown man wearing a Yankees jersey. And all I could think about was just, I just wanted to call him out for me. Like, uh, I'm not I'm not a big person, but I was like, I want to call this guy out for wearing a Yankees jersey. Just even though like didn't know the guy didn't know anything he was wearing a Yankees jersey and just that affiliation just made me want to hate the guy and you know even since I was young just growing up in the area like there were basically basically three certainties in life you know death taxes and hating the Yankees that's that's what it was and I when I was younger I didn't even know why we hated them I just knew we hated them and you know hated everything that was associated with them even if like I said we didn't even know them we hated them and it was I think it's like elementary school. We were learning like they were like calling them cheers, but it was basically like chants where we talk about like hating the Yankees. It was just funny to me how like the sport has kind of just like transferred into like everyday culture for us. And it's just it poured over into so many aspects of our lives and you don't really realize it. But, you know, that's sports. It's rivalry. It's rivalries. It's who we are. It's just it, it was crazy to me to think about like that. I was so young and I hated the Yankees and I didn't really know why. I just... Every time I saw someone in a Yankees hat, I just cringed. Every time I see a jersey, or I don't I don't even know them and I'm just like, "No. I hate you." It's just something about it. It's just it, that's just how sport is. It makes us hate people that we don't even know, anything affiliated with them and you know, I have a a lot of respect if you're a Yankees fan wearing a Yankees anything in the state of Massachusetts, especially anywhere near Boston. That is just asking for a death wish. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy and you know, I felt the same way. I went to I was interning in Connecticut this summer and literally like a lot of people that worked there were from New York and I just felt so outnumbered because everyone was like New York fans and I was like I don't feel comfortable I don't feel like because I've been in such a like a a little bubble in Massachusetts where like everyone is predominantly like New England fans and it was just to be like that minority in New York it just felt so bad and um it's just it's crazy it's crazy but you know this is like I said personal one a lot of personal ties in and just if you ever had a chance to experience a Yankee Sox game it's or any of these games in general it's just there's something else to it there's so much history behind it and yeah just two of the best teams in baseball and a very historic rivalry for sure but my honorable mention for baseball Dodgers Giants of course another big one but how could I not go with with the Sox and the Yanks that's just the biggest one it's oh. It's it was so funny for me thinking about this one just because I had to bring up all these memories of me being a child and be like I hate the Yankees but I don't really know why <laughs> but yeah anyway enough of baseball we are on to basketball 
And this, I had the same problem with that I did with football, where I had to decide, do I want to go, you know, professional or do I want to go collegiate? And there are so many rivalries, like similarly to football, that I ended up with a collegiate one as well. Again, some other honorable mentions, but collegiate, I ended with North Carolina and Duke. Now, this one was an easy one, I think, for most people, because, you know, they're, the schools are only eight miles apart. And between the eight miles, there's 11 championships, which is, you know, there's nowhere else like it in the country. It's, it's, it's a crazy one. And just kind of like Alabama and Auburn, it spills over into, uh, into football too, which is cool. Um, but much like the other few ones that I started with, this one also goes all the way back to, to hundreds of years ago and back into the 1790s. And this is a kind of funny story. So pay attention to this one for sure. But basically in the 1790s, um, there was a scandal that occurred between the, Man- the Mangum and Duke families. Um, basically, Taylor Duke, who was married, again, scandalous, um, conceived a child out of wedlock, very scandalous, with uh, Cheney Mangum. And Cheney's father decided to sue uh, Taylor Duke um, for child support. And this led to the family fighting for, for dominance and power over central North Carolina. And the Mangums ended up being key in founding the North Carolina Whig Party and became massive supporters of UNC and even now have scholarships in a dorm on campus named after them. So that is where that family kind of ended up. And then the Dukes ended up funneling their money that they earned in the tobacco empire into Trinity College, which ended up being Duke University. So that's where we started. We started with the scandal, um, a child conceived out of wedlock. It's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet story. They were two from two opposing families. They ended up together or whatever, except these people didn't end up killing themselves. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, that's where we started. But it wasn't until 1920 that the two actually played their first game against each other. Um, you know, the sport of basketball wasn't invented until much later. So yeah, 1920 was when they first played their first basketball game against each other. Um, but it wasn't really like the first game where a rivalry kind of was felt. That wasn't until 1929, um, which that match reported high levels of animosity and tension, and it had a high number of fouls as well. So that is where some people argue the first rival game kind of took place just because the other ones beforehand hadn't really get, hadn't really had that feel to them the way that a rival game does now. But yeah, some argue that this modern rivalry uh, comes down to the competitiveness between Coach K or Mike Krzyzalonski, which is not Krzyzewski, which is how a lot of people think it's pronounced. It's actually, he had like a yearbook or something where he wrote out how you pronounce his last name. And even though literally everyone says Krzyzewski, it's Krzyzalonski, which is interesting. But when you look at the name, it doesn't really make sense. But that's what he says. So it's that. Um, so Chris K, or I mean, not Chris K, it's Coach K. So Coach K, and he became the head coach of Duke in 1980. And Coach Smith of UNC, um, this rivalry and this kind of competitiveness between the coaches had gone back and forth from uh, 1980, which is when um, Coach K was hired, all the way until Coach Smith's retirement in the 97 to 98 season. So, you know, that's almost like what, 20 years of a rivalry going back between coaches. So, you know, that kind of was where some people argue the more modern kind of rivalry comes from. Um, But it's crazy to think that, you know, this entire rivalry, one of the best ones in sport and in collegiate athletics, comes down to two families that just couldn't get along. Just a small scan, I guess, 
I would say a small scandal, but it wasn't small for the times, I guess. But it's just crazy. Like, this entire rivalry comes down to just two families. So, I mean, hey, it has to start somewhere. And I guess I'm, I'm pretty glad it did start there. It's just, I don't know. That one's just, it's just a funny story to me. But um, honorable mention for basketball comes down to, of course, like I said, Boston fan. Comes down to the Celtics and the Lakers. That's another, that was a close one for me. Um Obviously, like I said, Boston sports fan, but I didn't want to be too biased. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I mean, how how could you get better than that story between the two families? Like that is a crazy way for a rivalry to start. But yeah, it's just rivalries in general is just it adds such a different layer to a game and it just makes it so much more like exciting and you just get so much more invested in it. Even if you're not a fan of either of those teams, you know, watching whether it be like North Carolina or Duke or, or Bama and Auburn, you know, I'm not, I don't have any ties to either of those, but for some reason it's, it's just, you can't help but watch. It's such an important game. Like the fans are so much more behind it. It's such a big game. And you, it's just, like I said earlier in the episode, you can just, it's just tangible tension, tangible hatred. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And it shows just how amazing the sport is and how, how much it affects people. And it's just the love and the passion for the sport for these teams is just, it's absolutely mind blowing. And, uh, it's just, it makes it so exciting to be a sports fan for sure. But yeah, that was a lot of information and a little bit of a history lesson. So hopefully you guys learned something. I know this was a long one, but, uh, I was going to actually put in like my favorite kind of rivalries between athletes. But like I said, that's going to have to be a whole nother episode. So if you guys want to see that, let me know for sure. But yeah, thank you guys for watching and for listening. This, yeah, this was a crazy one. And this was a fun one to research. Just there's so much we don't really know about these rivalries, just that, you know, these two teams hate each other. But there's so much more behind it. There's so many different layers. So, yeah, let me know what you guys think. And please be excited for the next few episodes. Be sure to follow the show um, on Instagram at she Talks Sports Podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow the, play, or the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And, yeah. Thank you guys for watching, and I will see you guys in two weeks. Have a good two weeks. See you guys later. All right, bye.